0: Take your Bibles with me and join me in Ezekiel, Ezekiel 37 please, and we will go through verses 1 through 14 this morning and we'll come back to them again tonight, and I pray that the stirring of the Holy Spirit in all of us would create a greater hunger for God and that we would respond with our attendance and with a worship-filled heart tonight, the Lord would just move in a great way. So it's a very important day for us, and I thank you for your attendance here this morning. And I look forward to what's going to happen throughout the day. Ezekiel chapter 37, and we're going to begin at verse 1. It says, The Lord took hold of me, and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. He led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. Then he asked me, Son of man, Can these bones become living people again? O sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I am going to put breath into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you, and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I spoke the message just as he told me. Suddenly as I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. Then as I watched, muscles and flesh formed over the bones. Then skin formed to cover their bodies, but they still had no breath in them. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to the winds, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath, from the four winds. Breathe into these dead bodies so they may live again. So I spoke the message as he commanded me. And breath came into their bodies. They all came to life and stood up on their feet a great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones represent the people of Israel. They are saying, we have become old. Dry bones. All hope is gone. Our nation is finished. Therefore, prophesy to them and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. O my people, I will open your graves of exile and cause you to rise again. Then I will bring you back to the land of Israel. When this happens, O my people, you will know that I am the Lord. I will put my spirit in you. And you will live again and return home to your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken, and I have done what I said. Yes, the Lord has spoken. Imagine this prophet of God being led of the Spirit of God, and he surveys this valley. Strawn across the valley are these bones. They represent the nation of Israel. He sees the disarray, the disorder, the chaos. They're depleted, they're dry. He sees the problem. And as we have read from Israel's observation, they saw no way out. So they, they define their situation, according to the word we have just read, as hopeless. There's been major collapse, dreams are dashed. And let me ask you a question. Have you been or are you in what we would call a low place? It's what we call a valley. A dry place. One way to know is because you're confronted with a challenge or a circumstance and there is no apparent answer. When you are challenged with a circumstance and there doesn't seem to be an answer, you become weary... There's this spiritual depletion that occurs. And then you start living in crisis mode. You're in a place like that. There's an interesting question that's going to be asked, and we're going to talk about that question. But as we make our way to the question, be reminded that the prophet is seeing a situation. He is seeing a circumstance In this valley of dry bones that helps him to know the spiritual condition of Israel. The condition of the nation. The circumstance which would be weakness, which would be hopelessness, collapse, despair, disorder, chaos. Is because of a spiritual problem. Their situation circumstantially is because of the spiritual foundation of their life. Now, sometimes we don't connect those two dots. Sometimes we don't see that what is happening in our lives is connected with the spiritual foundation of our lives. You see, sin caused the circumstance that Israel was in. And so the result, the symptoms of the spiritual decay, the results of no dreams and hopelessness, were tied back to the fact that there was sin in their heart. Now, let me give an illustration because I think it serves so clearly. Let's talk for a moment about subprime lending. Decisions were made some years ago. Subprime lending started happening for the purchase of houses. And what's been interesting is we've heard both sides of the aisle, Republicans and Democrats, clearly say that beneath subprime lending, that beneath all of that was greed. That the whole subprime lending issue was born of greed. They're they're quoted, they're on record as saying that. Greed on the part of corporations that were making loans to people when those corporations knew that those people could not pay for that kind of a loan. Greed on the part of people... That wanted a house and that then would enter into an agreement, into a loan that they too knew they could not pay for. So you had Wall Street greed and Main Street greed, marry, and the result is one of the greatest economic crises of our lifetime. And it is shaking this nation and even the world. So it's Interesting. Republicans and Democrats say that our circumstance, which is economic crisis, is because of greed. But they won't call it sin. They just leave it there. They park it as greed. But you and I know that greed is sin. So I want us to see that the economic crisis of America is a result of our spiritual foundation. Are we in agreement with that? I want you to be challenged. If you don't agree, just think about it and, and either agree to disagree or be challenged by that. Do we connect those dots that what is unfolding in our culture and in our country is not just mere circumstance, but it has its origin in spiritual issues, in spiritual foundation. So as the prophet walks out into the valley, he's clear that this decay of a great nation was because of spiritual foundation. And so therefore, he sees people that can't help one another because you can't give someone what you don't have. So he is walking around and he sees the hopelessness. He sees the problem. He sees the issue. Yet, they were still very religious. We can't miss that point. They were still religious as a nation. Is there a comparison? I think there is. We have more churches in America than we've ever had. This church is, This community is full of churches. We have Christian television and radio. We have internet resources like a veritable ocean of Christian influence. And, and yet would we still see that God's people, when you study what is happening among God's people, we see major concerns because it is among the church where they're trying to redefine marriage. And so you have pastors now that are endorsing same-sex marriage. You have all of the the dependencies and addictions and all of these things that have made their way right into the family of God, just as it is in the world. So we see a a major, major issue, yet we've never had more Christian resource. We've never had more religious activity and resources in the history of our country. Interesting, isn't it? Remember before the seatbelt laws, as you were going down the road and, and you saw a man driving a car and and if if the woman, whether it was well probably his girlfriend, sitting right next to him, remember the remember that I mean like you could already see her she 's like nestled up right there, and, and as you saw that, the mentality is they must be dating because the more people became familiar with each other uh, the more that that kind of intimacy was lost and and so you, you see the separation let me use that to make this point in marriage when intimacy is lost you still have this legal tie but no relational closeness and the result is separation Okay, now bring that into the nation of Israel and bring it right into the church. If there is separation between us and God, there was separation between Israel and God, it was because of spiritual distance. All oh, they had this kind of legal tie. They were, the, they were Israel. We are the church. But is there a disconnect because of, of a loss of spiritual intimacy? Consider the solar system. Our solar system is the sun and all of the planets that are bound to it by gravity. Mercury being the closest to the sun is like fire hot. When you get out to Neptune, it is called one of the ice giants. And the temperature of both have everything to do with their proximity to the sun. So their temperature is determined by their connection or lack thereof. The earth is just far enough from the sun where we have seasons. So bring that into an application of of awareness or or consideration. You have Christians that are on fire for God. You have Christians that are cold-hearted. And then you have Christians that are kind of seasonal. Depends on what's happening in their life uh, to come to the spiritual passion of their life all that have to do with proximity. So if there is a spiritual distance, a separation, it is because that closeness is no longer there, and so the fire is out. So all of this comes to this question. God asked it of the prophet. Can these bones live again? Notice he took a prophet. He did not take a politician. He didn't take someone of political influence. He took a prophet. And he asked of the prophet, can these bones live again? Why did he take a prophet? Because there's no program that can resurrect dry bones. There's no bailout that can resurrect. The Lord's church. Can these bones live again? That's the question. So God says to the prophet, if they're going to live again, there there are two things. Here's what the prophet says, and I love his answer. He says, God, only you know. So he responds to that question with a question. But what he's saying is, God, this is something... That only you can fix. If this valley of dry bones. Which is giving us insight into the true condition of the nation of Israel. And then brought by the Holy Spirit right into application of our life. If this is showing us that there is major need. That our circumstance is a result of our spiritual foundation. Then Lord there's no program or politician that's going to fix this. So, God, only you can fix this. God, knowing that is the truth, he then says to the prophet, then here are the two things that you have to do. And here is the first one. Once again, verse 4. Would you bring it up on the screen, please? This is verse 4 of Ezekiel 37. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen To the word of the Lord. Now, this is important, and I pray that we all hear this, and especially the pastoral staff. We need to see this. We need to take this to heart. He says, first of all, speak to the hopelessness, speak to it. But he's very specific about what is to be said. He says, speak the word of the Lord. Now, that's incredible, and that's important. He doesn't say, speak your opinion. He doesn't say psychoanalyze the nation, the church. He doesn't say cater to it. He says, speak the word of the Lord. As a young pastor, I can remember seasoned veteran pastors. They would say to me, when you go to the pulpit, you need a thus saith the Lord. What they were saying is you need to get the seed of God's word so in you that you know it is the word for the hour, it is the word for the season, it is the word for the church, and you deliver that word with that conviction because in that word is the power to make a difference. Uh, Thus saith the Lord. What are we taught as we read the Old Testament uh, about what the famine was? The famine was the word of God. What is happening in this present country? There's a famine, not of religion. We've got more than we've ever had. There is a famine of the word of God, not religion. That's not the famine. The famine is truth. See, religion won't set anybody free. Going to church won't set anyone free. Programs will not set anybody free. Those kinds of things will not resurrect the valley of dry bones. It is the word of God. It is the truth that will set us free. Interesting that our response to subprime lending and the disaster it got us into, what was the response? Stimulus package. $750 billion dollars. And here's the result. It got us into deeper debt. Now, this message, I'm tying in kind of an, an economic, political issue, and, and that those are hot buttons, and I don't want to lose the focus of the message by saying, you know, go get them, pastor. I, I want you to, the point I'm making is to the church. Here's what we do in the church. Here's what we do to try to resurrect the valley of dry bones. I'm, I'm, I'm preaching to me now. We create a stimulus package. And we try to impress. If we can be creative enough and innovative enough and creative enough and impressive And have the wow factor. If we can give principles of success. If we can talk about how to have our best life now. If we can appeal to that part of the psyche. Then we're going to improve. And it's nothing more than a stimulus package. And what's the result? Deeper debt. Spiritually, morally, relationally. Makes us feel better. But it's only for a moment because we address the symptom. The stimulus package address the symptom, not the cause. And so, here's a great illustration. This happened not too long ago. This, This person encountered a person leaving church and they had a little you know they almost hit each other at the intersection and the person who left church went off cursed told them they were number one and and they're having this didn't you just leave church yes i just left church now now just take that simple illustration and take it over into all of life, take it all, and look, is all of this making any difference? All of these church service is there any fruit being born of the life of Christ so that we don't have some of the attitudes, actions, reactions, behaviors that we used to have because we're growing in Jesus It is interesting that we now mistake success in church world with the presence of physical bodies in seats rather than the presence of the Holy Spirit of God. And so what we want to assess on a Monday is how many were there and how much was given rather than did we sense any dimension of the activity of God, of the power of God, of of the penetration of God's word bringing a spirit conviction to the hearts of men and women to where sin was being confessed and bondages were being broken and marriages were being healed and homes were being put back together and people were being changed. I would say this to our youth pastors, to all of us. It's a Lazarus generation. And you can't impress Lazarus out of the tomb. The only thing that causes Lazarus to come from death to life was the spoken word of Jesus. When Jesus said, Lazarus, vital organs that had not been functioning... And blood that had not been flowing suddenly started to function and blood started to flow and the synapses of his brain started to fire and a dead man was resurrected and walked out of that tomb and it was all initiated by the word of Jesus. And I would say to myself and to our team and to all of us, the word of God works. Let's preach the word. Let's teach the word. Let's have devotions in the word. Let's put our hearts in the word and let the word of God bring order out of the chaos. I say it with passion in my heart. The word. Here's verse number seven. If you'll put verse number seven on the screen. So I spoke this message just as he told me, and watch the results. Suddenly, as I spoke the word, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. Do you see the power of the word? The power of the word brought order out of chaos. Brought unity where there was division. Brought the potential of strength. Because now there is connection. And then the scripture goes on to say he put muscles. He put skin to cover them. So there is a work and all of that was at the, res- at the spoken word of God. So when we look into the power of the word, we're seeing it gives order and this whole culture is out of order. And our personal lives and our family life, there's just such disorder. So when we come back to the word, we find that which can order our lives. The first work of the word of God and the spirit in creation was order out of chaos. And we need that. And it is the word that brings it. But you can have this order, this potential of mobility, and yet there's no life. And when we ask God to breathe on disorder, when we ask God to bring his power And yet there's disorder. We're asking God to anoint a vacuum. Let me make sure I'm clear here. To just say on Pentecost Sunday, Lord, send the power without the word that orders our lives is asking God to anoint chaos. And the reason there's chaos is because there's a breakdown of godly order, which means godly priority. Now, Lord, we want to see and watch that's where we turn the holy spirit as part of our stimulus package plan and so we want the spirit to feel better but we don't want the obligation of obedience to the word that brings order and god doesn't anoint disorder god does not anoint a vacuum so so it's very important that we have the word that brings order now watch Once there's order, once there's this potential, the work is not done. Go to verse 9, if you will, please. It says, Then he said to me, Speak a prophetic message to the winds. Speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath from the four winds. Breathe into these dead bodies so that they may live again. See, it's not enough to have our doctrine correct. And it's not enough to have our priorities clear and to have our core values and to have our vision statement of our church and of our families. If there's not life, then it's just this religious code. It is going through the motions. It is sterile. It is still not going to work. And I love how clear God is here. He's saying, all right, once bone has come to bone, once there is now muscle and there is flesh, we're not done yet because there's still no life. Still no life. So he says, prophesy to the wind because it is the power of God that is now needed. We need the word of God and we need the power of God. Just like a, a car that's got a great motor, but the battery's dead. So there's no potential to fire up the engine and to move forward. And so uh, what you need is the, the, for, for that which has power to be connected. You need life to be connected to death. So that that which has life can flow into that which has no life. So that the potential of the motor which is there and it is fine. It is not out of order. It's in order. But until there's power, the order can't mobilize. So once we get all of the order, we still need the Holy Spirit to bring life. So that all of the potential of gifts and talents and time within the body of Christ can be filled fully realized because we've got the power of the Spirit along with the Word of God. See, the Word gives order. That means we order our lives around the values of Scripture. So what are we doing? We are ordering our steps. Now we need power to take those steps. And it's the Holy Spirit that gives us the motivation and the power to then take the steps that God has outlined for us. The Spirit does not come. Interesting observation here, until the bones have responded to the word. It's interesting, he said, hear, O bones, the word, and the word here is to receive. It means to not just listen and leave, it means I'm taking it in. I've got an intent to do something with this. And so when there was response, meaning obedience to the word, then there was power of spiritual life. So I would say that obedience still matters. Obedience to the word of God still matters. Still matters. Verse number 10 is where we'll close today. It says, so I spoke the message as he commanded me. That means he gave the word and then he he poured his heart out for the Holy Spirit to move. And the spirit moved. And breath came into those bodies. And watch this. They all came to life and stood up on their feet. Now, and they stood up as a great army. Notice the supernatural in that verse. It's absolutely supernatural. Notice the supernatural. In verse 1, there are no feet. We don't have anything but bones. But when the word goes forth, there is the supernatural work where there is now something that wasn't there before. And not only are they now standing on their feet, notice the description. The nation that was likened to this totally devastated, depleted people depicted by the Valley of Dry Bones... Now we see a nation that is on their feet, they're, they're standing again, and they are standing as a great army. And when it says they're standing on their feet, that means that they have been given life. And when it says a great army, it means they are now effective. They're not only alive, they're effective. Because when the Word and the Spirit works, it brings life and effectiveness. Isn't that amazing? Now watch, that's all supernatural. We started out in verse 1, and we went just 10 verses before you get into the description of what the bones are. And so God takes a situation that had been in decay for years, had been the result of many years of sin and idols and all of that. And in 10 verses, by his supernatural power of word and spirit, he reverses. He corrects, he resurrects a situation. And this is the great hope of God's church. It doesn't matter that this whole economic issue started years ago, God can confront it when we attach and connect the dots that our social dilemma is because of our spiritual foundation. And, 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 Now I feel all these these sidebars coming in my mind, and I'll refuse all of them but one. I remember all this passion to get prayer back in school. But here's the deal. Why would we care if there is prayer in school, if there isn't prayer in our homes? And why would we care if there's prayer in school, if there's very little praying Going on in church. Why would we care that the morals of the Ten Commandments are being taken and have been taken right out of the fabric of our society. When the average home has over three Bibles that are never open more than two minutes a week. So for our young people to see us want to go picket to get prayer in school and we can't even get prayer in our homes, they just immediately see the inauthenticity of that and the hypocrisy of that and they are left to reap the whirlwinds. So it's not if we can get the right president and if we can get the right Senate and we can get the right Congress. It's if the people of God will receive the word of God and the spirit of God, then we will rise up on our feet as a great army, alive and effective, and we'll change the world. Come on and praise him because that's the word of truth. close your eyes with me in the presence of the Lord we have a few minutes.